Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, join Sunny for part two of the Soul Digger Edition show. Lessons from seven years of Sunny in Seattle. So listen in for some reminiscing and inspiration in your own endeavors. And now we welcome your host for the day, Sunny Joy. And good morning. Welcome to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy McMillan, and we're here every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. KKNW, bringing you amazing guests and resources that will help you create a life filled with peace, joy, freedom, and purpose. It is radio that positively shines. And if you can't catch the show live, you can always access the show archives. Those are found at the station's website. That's 1150kknw.com. That's 1150kknw.com. You can also find the show on iTunes and Podcast One. Um, So here we are, Benny, uh, on this beautiful Seattle morning. Um, And this is a part two of the uh, solo Soul Digger edition that we did uh, a few weeks ago, Lessons Learned in Seven Years of Doing the Show. Um, And it turned out that while I didn't know if I'd even have enough lessons to make it to the end of the hour on that first show, I had more material as usual that I thought that I would, and we needed to break it up. (laughs) Practically had to bring the cane, like had to shuffle (laughs) you off the stage, like, get over here, like, we've got too much to talk about, you can't go over, you know, time's money, type of thing. Oh, yes, well, apparently I can talk, so... Um, we That's why decided, you're here. <laughs> yes, great for radio. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> so here we are for part there two. You go. Lessons part learned. Deux. Deux, yes, part deux, if you are French. Um, yeah, so I thought that I would just uh, jump back in because you were kind enough to share some of the lessons oh. that you learned in all of your many years of broadcasting. And I even got to hear a little bit more about um, exactly how you landed at KKNW because there was a. There was a broadcasting history there that I yeah, don't really know. with my college career at yeah. three different colleges and moving finally into the scene that I'm in now and promotions and internship, and which is kind of like the, the path for most radio folk. Yeah. And uh, thankfully, I've been able to stay in one area, you know, one yeah. market, where some people go to smaller markets and then work their way back. Yes. I've been fortunate to stay in a, you know, top 15 size market. Yes. For those of you out there who did mm-hmm. not know this, Seattle is the third. Largest radio broadcasting market. As of this show being aired now. Yes, <laughs> right. yes. I guess those change a lot. <laughs> they do. They fluctuate, but we've never really been below 10 and never been past 15. We're like, it's just yeah. for the size of our population. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so, um, yeah, that's fun fact. I was reminded of that this past week. <laughs> so fact. relevant. So I guess I was just curious. I know you shared a bit last time, but I just thought, is there anything else? That, um, not that you have been thinking about the show since that time. Every day I think about the show. (laughs) Every day. But has anything else occurred to you or do you have anything else to share around what you've learned in all of your years of doing broadcasting? And again, this can apply not only just to actually being here in the studio, but these kind of like life lessons that you have learned behind the mic that actually apply to other areas of your life. I think specifically for our station in general is about like reframing positions on how you view life. Ooh. You know, as far as like we're not all Western medicine. We're a little Eastern. We're a little bit more uh, unorthodox or outside of the box, so to speak, and the thinking around that. So vision for how I think and act has happened a little differently after being here for 20 well, I can see why that would happen because you've had some folks that are really um, on the leading edge, like mm-hmm. Brenda and Rob mm-hmm. um, from, from Conscious, Conscious Talk. Talk. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, they always and and there's so many other hosts on the uh, through the out the years yeah. that have brought on um, a lot of interesting material. So I like that, Benny, because that also shows that you are open minded because you could just have become more entrenched in your existing. This views. is true, but you also have to give those things a chance. So you know, when yeah. I guess. Growing older, <laughs> you try to like sometimes have a little the boundaries are a little st- stronger, but then when you get older, you're just like, eh, you kind of like let kind of things trickle in yeah. a little bit more, and you're just like, hmm, why didn't I think about that like 10 years earlier or something like that? So, yes, like wh- when it comes to health or you know, your well being, yeah. So, I think reframing is one thing that I've definitely uh adjusted to a little bit more, yeah. 
and just on vision, on life. So. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that. And it's funny you say that because as I was jotting down a few more notes uh, for today, this may end up what? being you didn't part know? three. What? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> no, I, uh, um, I was actually made a note about reframing. So I'll... Um, mm. I think we should be able to get to that part uh, in my outline. All right. So that'll be you open the show with reframing, and I may be closing the show with a reframe of sorts. Nice little donut. Yeah, exactly. I like those when you can put a bow on it and Mm -hmm. it feels complete. Um, Yeah, so anyway, um, I just appreciate the opportunity because we're kind of on the countdown, Benny, um, for me heading off to New Haven. Um, And so this is one of our last few shows that we'll be doing together. I know. <laughs> oh, and it's all about savoring to me instead yes. of going into denial about what oh, is totally. happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's about savoring the moments that we do have. So I'm sitting here looking out. Um, still, I think those are the cascades from this view nope. of the studio. No, those are the Olympics. Are, yep. Ah! <laughs> seven years. I don't deserve to live in no, Seattle no, after being here seven true. years. I still get those two ranges. I need to have years. like a, a label on the window say, you're looking at these <laughs> mountains. Okay. Oh, my God. That over there is the Space Needle. Do um, you know that? Yes, okay, I do good, know great, that. Okay, I do right. know that. Yes, that I can identify. Right. Yes, I think my brain is just too full of Greek That's and all, all of the things to come for me to have remembered these things. Anyway, I have a beautiful view of mountains True. and uh, – and the sun is shining this morning. So mm-hmm. anyway, savoring these last few opportunities to be in the studio. Okay. Which also doesn't necessarily mean a complete well, exiting for you. No, no, no. I, we right. still don't. I, as I've said, I actually had, um, <laughs> now that, that people do know, kind of like before we left for Petaluma, and, <laughs> and now we came back. Right. But um, now before I'm leaving for New Haven, um, even knowing that I will be back in three years, um, that I've had a number of wonderful clients um, and friends reach out and say, oh, can we get together one last time? And I just happened to be able to get together um, with uh, two wonderful um, clients yesterday and um, talking about, you know, all that's going on. And, and they said, so what? what is happening? I said, you know, honestly, I haven't gotten the concrete guidance yet to know what <laughs> is happening exactly. Um, and so stay tuned. So I will let everyone know, as I mentioned last week on our first-ish first ish Friday, um, I will let folks know as I know it. And I just don't know yet. I do know that I will be driving to New Haven <laughs> a couple of weeks. And that's okay. But, yeah. It's good to have that. a road trip. Yeah. Some, you know, mental uh, yeah. broadening yeah. and awareness. I think, I think we should leave it open. Yeah. So All we right. will see. So with that... I'm going to do a quick recap of the lessons that we talked about last time, and then we'll go on from there. I think we got through seven last time. No, we got through six. Six or okay. seven, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so quick recap. Follow the nudge. So when you feel the nudge or feel that inner leap, I think in Sanskrit the word is spanda, um, you can follow it. Um, and I have found great things happen when you do, which is exactly how I – Ended up behind the mic here at KKNW. I followed the little nudge, um, the nudge from the universe. Um, number two, just ask. Um, yeah, it's okay if people say no. A no at the beginning doesn't always mean a forever no, but just ask. It doesn't hurt. And that is how um, I have been able to speak with some of the neatest, um, most wonderful, most leading edge, some of them pretty well known in the spiritual community, folks that have been on the show as a guest. Um, Number three, do things your way, even if it doesn't make sense to others. Um, I didn't know how this show would fit into my life or my business or any of the things, and I didn't really follow all of the advice that was given at the outset. And it has worked out so beautifully, and I don't have any regrets along the way. Um, And I also assume that for the dots that haven't connected yet about how this all fits together, it will be shown sometime in the future. Um, but I can trust um, that it will reveal itself. But in the meantime, I've done things my way, and even if when it hasn't made sense to others, that's okay. Okay, number four, you can trust the flow. Um, I was, I think, using that in terms of how I used to come into a show. It was more of um, very detailed outlines. Now, you know, I still love a good outline, but 
it was, you know, detailed down to the words used in and out of breaks and and made sure I had more material than could possibly fit in an hour, all of those things. And then slowly over time, trusting that what wanted to come through, um, you know, through my body, through the microphone, out into the airwaves would come through. So trusting that flow. Um, and then there were two other trust pieces. Trust the divine tapestry. Was, um, I think that's more big picture stuff. So even if I couldn't figure out what the show calendar was supposed to look like on a given month, I'd always trust that the right people would arrive at the right time or if it needed to be, uh, maybe it was time for me just to get behind the mic for a solo Soul Digger edition. Um, and so, yeah, those things would always come together. So trusting the divine tapestry. And then while we're on trust for one more um, little trust component, um, trusting your gut when it comes to people. Um, I very much have a lot of gratitude for the fact that in seven years I've I've only had really one guest that I think probably I would not have um, ended up going through with um, had I known what I do now. But my gut told me there were some red flags there. I did not listen. And so lesson learned. But trust your gut when it comes to people. I know I don't think we can hear that enough. We hear it a lot um, and people remind us of that. But let this just be another one because I don't think that we, um, I just don't think that in our culture we are encouraged enough to really trust those gut feelings. And um, we need all the reminders that we can get. Okay, so that's the quick recap on the six. So we're going to start with number seven. And again, these are lessons learned in doing the show that really apply to all areas of my life and I think um, hopefully can apply in other areas outside um, and hopefully be helpful to others. So number seven, bring your whole self to whatever you are doing. Um, I interviewed a gentleman, gosh, it's probably been three or four years ago, Mike Robbins. I believe he was a Hay House author. Um, he wrote a book called Bring Your Whole Self to Work. And of course, his book was written more um, aimed at people in a corporate setting. But the idea being that I think for many years, and I'll just use his work as an example, um, he, he was, he's uh, someone that, would, that corporations would bring in and help work with teams and get people to be able to communicate better. And so you have more efficient systems and more work gets done, better productivity, all that kind of stuff. But um, I think there's always been a... Um, I shouldn't say always, but usually in corporate settings, there was an expectation that people would kind of leave pieces of themselves at home. Like you would just bring your professional self to work, wear your professional clothes and bring your professional attitude and not talk about um, too much personal stuff, not get super emotional at work, things like that. Those were, um, I think those are definitely vestiges of the patriarchy, but um he was talking about how emotional intelligence is really valued these days. And so bringing your whole self um, authentically into the office, um, bringing your whole self. I mean, you are a whole person who has a family and maybe someone in your family is, um, you know, dealing with cancer or depression or something, or perhaps you've lost a pet, or perhaps you are being a caregiver for an aging parent. And there are all these elements to us that when you block them off and leave them at the door, you're not bringing your whole self. Um, and so there is, I think, a changing dynamic within, fortunately, within many um, professional settings that it's more welcome to bring um, all of these aspects. And and I will say on that note, um, you know, one of the guiding principles in my coaching tradition um, is to be transparent, authentic, and open, or TAO, as we call it. And I think, um, well, I'll back up and I'll apply it. When I was in therapy many years ago, um, before leaving my old life, um, I did, I had a wonderful therapist. Um, and Dr. Alessandra and I have talked about this on First Friday shows, but there was always a bit of like, um, you know, the, I didn't know a lot about my therapist's life and not that it's my business necessarily or that it's my right to know, but I think when forming secure attachments, especially with a therapist, I always like to know that they're human too, you know, that they, that they are um, a, a whole person who has 
the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, and so I always appreciated in going into coaching um, that that we were encouraged to bring our whole self, to be transparent, authentic, and open about who we are um, as humans and how that can actually be a gift in terms of being able to serve others or, or be in a healing capacity. And so I've applied that definitely in my coaching, but I think in doing the show, I have found that um, I enjoy being transparent, authentic, and open with the people out there who are um, taking time to, out of their, you know, very, very valuable time. Our time as a human is um, one of those commodities that, um, while I know there's some fun theories on it, you know, Einstein time and and linear time, not really, it's more of a human construct. Um, I, I love those theories. But in reality, too, um, you know, how we decide to use the um, hours in our day is is important. And I really have such deep gratitude for the people who have shown up and actually take an hour out of their day to listen to this show. And so I feel it is um, incumbent upon me to show up as I really am and to bring my whole self to the mic. And sometimes that means I'm sharing things that feel vulnerable. Um, sometimes that means I'm sharing things that I don't know the answer to just yet. Maybe I won't know it, um, if not for a very long time, maybe not even forever until I transition and have more information on the other side. Um, but all that being said, I have found that I like being who I really am, bringing my whole self to um, this experience. And so I would just encourage using the inspiration of Mike Robbins um, and, and his Bring Your Whole Self to Work um, and, and my experience and, and bringing my whole self to the microphone, um, what would it be like to bring your whole self to all aspects of your life? Um, you, I know that there's always that the, the human desire, it's kind of a, an ingrained evolutionary desire to fit in. Um, it was necessary for our survival so many moons ago, but um, not as much so now, but the feeling is still definitely there. There's that desire to be accepted and liked, but I have found that when I bring my whole self and I get a little bit more vulnerable and I get a little bit um, braver in what I share, um, it connects with more people because that experience, it becomes very universal. So bringing your whole self. Um, that was lesson number seven. Number eight. Can I oh, jump yeah. in? I was just going to give uh, Mike's information. Yeah, Mike Robbins. Mike, yeah, it's yeah, Mike-Robbins.com. Sure, sure. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you okay. Yeah. Is he, Is was it Hay House? Did you uh, I didn't check that part. It probably is. I think Another, it was Hay House, but. <laughs> it, it most likely is. You have some great, uh, you know, authors and, you mm -hmm. know. Speakers from yeah. formerly from Hay House too. Hay so House. yeah, Mike Robbins.com. Okay. And he cool. did a couple of TED Talks too. So. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's a neat guy. I think totally. he was I feel like when we reached out to him, he was dear friends or is dear friends with Scott Stabile. I could be making that up. Another wonderful guest. Sounds he wrote right. a book called mm -hmm. Big Love. Um, yeah. So yeah, neat guys. Uh okay. So number eight, try new things. Um and in trying new things, I will say, do it in turtle steps. So if you have been listening to this show for a while, you know another little tool from my coaching tradition is it's called turtle steps. And basically, all that means is when you're trying something new or you're embarking on a new endeavor, to break it up in such a way as to be doable. Um, and so if your goal, for example, is to someday get a book published or to publish a book, then there are a lot of steps between where you sit with a blank page ahead of you or in front of you and actually holding a finished book in your hand with a pretty cover with a picture of it on it and all that good stuff. And so that could feel pretty daunting. And breaking up the task into turtle steps, not just baby steps, but turtle steps, meaning the, the kind of step that you could do on your absolute worst day with no energy and feeling pretty low. And so that turtle step could be something as small as getting out your little post-it notepad and writing the number down for a friend who has written a book and calling them just to ask what the experience was like. 
the literal writing of the number on the post-it note, that could be a turtle step. Now, what can usually happen is once you take that turtle step, um, you feel inspired to go a little bit further. Like you might even be inspired to pick up the phone that day and take some notes and take the notes, you know, and reach out to a couple more people or reach out to a potential agent or actually get your outline going for whatever the chapters are going to be in the book, those kinds of things. So when I say try new things, I will use my first Friday experience with Dr. Alessandra. Now, if you listened last week, you know that um, that was our last first Friday show together. And that was a four-year, ended up being a four-year little endeavor together that we had. Um, but it started with a little experiment. Um, I met Alessandra at a networking event that she was hosting and immediately felt a connection to her. Lo and behold, she had some broadcasting history when she was in college, and it was a very natural um, uh, thing for her to be behind the mic. She, she, yeah, notoriously would just roll in with her coffee and... Yeah, and she's like, what? You're in radio too? Exactly. Sure, let's do it. Exactly. And so it was, we tried, we took a turtle step, and we tried one Friday as a grand experiment, and wow, it felt good. How would we have known? And I will tell you, I had trepidation about that because the show had always been the format of um, with, you know, I could count on one hand doing a solo show by myself. But the show other than that was always me interviewing a guest in the realm of mind, body, spirit, wellness. And so to have someone come in on a regular basis, even if it was just one Friday out of a month, was a big change. And I wondered, would people respond well to it? Um, but I will tell you, it was nice because that freed up one Friday of the month where I didn't wasn't reading a book that week or where I didn't feel a huge amount of pressure to um, be ready for a guest interview. Um, and of course, that pressure has lessened over time as I've become more comfortable with this. But all it was trying something new, even though you know, was hesitant about it, had a little bit of fear about it, didn't know if, um, you know, what our chemistry would be like over time. But we tried it. We took a turtle step. We tried it. And look what happened. Four years of beautiful collaboration that um, I think deepened our friendship and was just such a blessing. So much fun to look forward to connecting on the airwaves with Dr. Alessandra. So um, lesson eight on trying new things. And just remembering to do it in turtle steps. <laughs> that makes everything doable. Um, okay, so number nine, uh, give up control. Ha. Um, that one for me, Penny, what are you laughing about? Because <laughs> there's plenty of people that have come through here on really? hand. Well, because they're used to having their vision, but <gasps> I'm trying to help them with their vision to be more heard on a level on listening ah. not being, you know what i mean no, rather say more, than say more benny because i'm like just it. saying for like not forcefully being told but like just having people understand like their position okay can you i don't want you don't need to use names maybe it's like a, a memory from many moons ago someone who's not even on the air but can you give an example of what you mean by that well so like people use airwaves to obviously project their vision yes. and then there's people that want those to be like brenda and rob it's kind of like they're very good at what they, they've been doing it for a very long time. They have a, a specific vision for conscious talk and mm -hmm. their way of thinking and, and being. Mm -hmm. They're not forcefully putting it on mm -mm, you. Mm -mm. They're telling you, this is how we live our life. Yes. You should think about it too. And yes. that's just an, a, a really uh, polite way of showing love for their um it's hard to explain for them because yeah. they're not here, but yeah, like yeah, yeah. for how they feel and yeah. how they would like others to feel. Yeah, they're like what's uh, what's available to us. Exactly, that not, we may not know. About. Yeah, for like you know, if it's a money thing, you're like you need to put your money here and do this there, and it's like no, maybe you should think about putting it here. Yeah, it's just again the reframing on Got it. position, but not like forcefully feeding it to you. But you're like, oh, hey, maybe you should think about this. You know? Yeah, it's just a good way of thinking, and I think a lot of the other hosts do that here. But when they first come in. They want to do that. And it's like, no, 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 no. Uh -huh. Like, you're not going to have anyone really listen to you if you're going to, like, forcefully push it down <laughs> their throat. You know, yeah. you, you want them to just kind of, like, think about it and, like, oh, maybe I should try that. Yes. So Yes. That's, that's 
I uh, I think about that often. I I first heard from I think Byron Katie was mm. who first said it in this way that was meaningful. But Byron Katie, who obviously is a very well respected, I think she's a master in our time, spiritual teacher. Um, and she will always say, I can only speak from my experience. There you go. And I think that's also something that's pretty common in recovery rooms, too. Mm-hmm. You know, all we can do is speak sure. from our experience. And through that, that can inspire others right. to make changes that may benefit them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but so it sounds like you've had other folks who are. That get, yeah, get and you obviously, and they're not point. here anymore. Yeah. So I mean, that's kind of <laughs> like my point. So. Okay. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think that does, that is a very good example right. of um, <laughs> even if giving up the giving up control. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And by what I mean by that also, yeah, I guess control of how information that I share is received. It right. is not my job to go out and brainwash everyone <laughs> who listens to the show to believing right. like I do, nor would I want that to be so. Yeah. So, um, but yes, there's that in giving up control over how I am received yeah. by others or exactly. what they take from it. But yeah, I, there's just, there's so much to it. Giving up control of how a guest is going to act or what they're going to say, yeah. giving up control of me saying the perfect thing and giving up control right. and trusting that what is meant to come through will come through um, the Naturally, microphone. Yeah. Yeah. Naturally, yeah. And and for me, too, yeah. being a producer, it's what I want those to hear because I feel like I'm the one sitting on the side and like the professional and, and mm-hmm. hearing like all of the years of all the people coming through. It's like you need to maybe just spin it this way or, or, or word it differently. Right. Um, and that's that giving up the control on the host side versus the producer. And I have to obviously, you know, balance my actions, too, just yeah. as much. So, yes. OK, well, and I'll give a couple of examples here. Like this is where I've learned it. The I wouldn't say the hard way, but it just it makes me laugh. Um, and I think I think I shared this last week on First Dish Friday. Now I it's anyway, forgive me if I'm being repetitive. But I remember when Byron Katie came on the show um, and she used the example when we were questioning, you know, limiting beliefs, basically, or she was speaking about her system of inquiry, the work, and kind of um, how you would address a fearful or a painful or a limiting belief type thought with that system of inquiry. And, and she was saying, you know, that using the example of, well, Sonny, if after our interview I am sitting there wondering, um, you know, did I say the right thing? Was Sonny <laughs> pleased with my responses in the interview and I'm so her. Sitting, I know what I'm so saying. Her. Like, are you freaking kidding? The fact that you've even showed up on my show, yeah, I don't right. I don't care what you I, say. Riding a little high right now, like Yes, just yeah. the very energy. And then I also I do have to say, um, giving up control because with Byron Katie specifically, obviously this is a very the, the technology in this radio studio is amazing. Hubbard Radio has a very nice setup here. And so this is, it's, we don't have a lot of technical difficulties, I would say. I mean, now, this is from my perspective in seven years. I know you are dealing with You don't know what goes on behind know, the scenes. Like, there's panic and pandemonium some days. And you're like, do, do, do. Definitely, <laughs> yes. And Benny is the one who manages that. But I will That's say, okay. in terms of the clarity of the line, ah. We have very good lines yeah, here. Not bad. But whenever Byron Katie has come on the show. Shakes it up. It is it's so unreal. crazy. She mm-hmm. fries the lines. And there is static. I will never forget. Eric Burris was helping me with a pre-record mm-hmm. with Byron Katie. I oh, think. in the other room, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Because um, she always has to do a pre-record. You don't, I mean, Byron, we work around Byron Katie's schedule. She doesn't just come on the live show. Yep. Um, and so Eric was assisting me and he was. I don't think um, I don't know if he's had assisted with a Byron Katie interview, but we'd gotten everything set up. Everything was good to go. I told him this was a really important interview. And so we're and then she gets on the line and all of a sudden it's yeah, right? crackly. And he's like he is so perplexed. And I'm like, because he doesn't rarely hear, he rarely hears that, too. Yes. And I was like, Eric, I'm trying to tell you, this is a Byron Katie thing. There is something about her energy that literally fl- fries the lines when we're on with her. And so that's another thing. Like, mm-hmm. you just give up control. We're not going to have, when Byron Katie comes on, exactly. it's not going to be this best sound quality we've ever had because her energy is so 
great that it mm-hmm. just her own physical circuitry. It's our it, you can just see it expands beyond her. And when she hits our radio yeah. programming circuitry, yeah, it's almost it's, like if you had like a preset like device to say like Byron Katie's coming in you hit it yes and so all of the equipment was like on high alert or goes through different features to like knowing she's here ready for it because it's almost like you're waiting on like kind of like a pins and needles kind of like yeah action waiting to just even though it's just her it is her though that's the that's the thing you've got to be not doing something anything else I'm sure there are some <laughs> crystals that we could have used to ground or things like that maybe I never did did end up doing that because it's been a while since I've we have a couple of here you should have bought oh them. yeah well in any event <laughs> yeah it's more about giving up control um, yep. and and just knowing that that's like rolling with what happens when Byron Katie comes on or the other one that I want to mention so obviously I Martha Beck is the teacher of my heart in this lifetime, at least to this point, um, she, her writing found me, you know, when the when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And man, I was hungry and ready for a huge change in my life. And and Martha Beck um, arrived on the scene. So when I started the show, I had like a bucket list of guests that I really hoped to be able to speak with over the course of the time that I was broadcasting, not knowing how long that would be. And so I kind of kept in my back pocket Martha Beck, obviously. Um, And I could have probably reached out earlier, but uh, when her book, Diana Herself, came out, it was a perfect opportunity to be able to invite her to be on the show to be able to promote um, that new book. Um, And so... (laughs) I'm looking forward to this interview. She is my mentor. I've gone through coach training. I've gone through master coach training. And there is this great need to impress her and not disappoint her and be noticed by her and all of the things. And she's, you know, on a bit of a pedestal at this point still in my life. And so we schedule the interview and um, I am, you know, my outline is ready. All of the things are ready. And it turns out that the week of this interview is a week that um, (laughs) Benny is going to be out of the studio, which is great. Even when he's, I I celebrate, um, and of course, Benny has just stepped out at the moment. I may have to remind him of this when he comes back in. But um, it is so rare that Benny takes breaks. So we celebrate when Benny goes on vacation and takes rare moments for himself. But that means that we have a guest producer or guest engineer. And there are always fantastic guest engineers that they have um, that come in um, when Benny is out of the studio. But even as talented and wonderful as they are, there's not that same, um, what's the word, chemistry that, you know, for example, Benny and I have had for all these years. Like we know each other and and I just know, you know, Benny can give me a look or a signal and, and I know what's happening. And so Number one, so it's not Benny. And so um, there's already this little bit of fear like, oh, goodness, um, I, you know, I know I'm in good hands, but I just, you know, you want your, I wanted all of the factors under control that I could. And there goes one. And then number two, um, I usually turn my phone on to do not disturb a few minutes before the show because I do not want my phone ringing during a live broadcast. And so my phone was on Do Not Disturb, and I usually will check it just to make sure in case a guest has called. Um, I'm always checking my emails to make sure in case there are any issues. And we have connected with our guests. You know, we give them the studio line. We give them my number. We give them the email addresses, all of these resources just in case we have a hard time connecting because given that it's a live show, we're on a time crunch at the top of the hour. Well, so... (laughs) I look down at my phone a couple minutes before we go live, and I realize that I have a call from Martha Beck's cell phone number. And she has left a message that she is confused about how we are going to be connecting. And so somehow my information providing the um, the studio connections has not made it to her through her folks. <laughs> so there's been like some little miscommunication there. So she doesn't know how to connect with the show. So I'm calling her back. So automatically, I feel like I look completely unprofessional 
Um, and then Martha's had to call me. My phone goes to voicemail. It doesn't even ring through. All these things. So I am completely flustered coming in at the top of the hour to talk with this mentor that I have looked up to for so many years, have looked forward to talking to for many months. And here we are. <laughs> so I am automatically thinking, oh, my gosh, she must think that I'm unprofessional, that I'm a flake, that I'm not, you know, that I don't answer my phone, that here this, you know, this huge name Martha Beck is on the show and all of these little pieces are falling by the wayside anyway. And then, oh, and then Benny's not here. And so it was just one of those moments where I had to laugh. And uh, I think that if you listen to the show, I if I remember correctly, like I was pretty... I was not completely grounded. And, you know, when you go into an interview like that, you want to be on your tip top behavior or not behavior. You're you know, you want to be like tapped in, tuned in, turned on and Abraham Hicks speak um, that you're just really firing on all cylinders. And I do not feel like I was. And so that's just one of those things, even when it is the most important interview of the entire thing. Not everything can you control. In fact, many things are probably going to be outside of your control. And after that experience, I just thought, well, if that happened with Martha Beck, <sighs> it's okay. What happens going on from here? I survived. Martha survived. I think it was, I think in the end, it ended up being a really fun interview. By the second half of the show, I was in my groove and it all worked out just fine. But I just learned, you know... <laughs> None of these things am I ever going to be able to truly control. So just go with what is ahead of you and laugh about the rest. Um, and that's another one of those coaching principles that's really helped me. Um, this, is, this isn't an original. I forget who originally said this, but this is paraphrasing. But really the goal is to live in perpetual creative response to what is present. And that means perpetual creative response to the things not going as planned and to the things that are outside of your control. <laughs> and so there have been times when I have had, a, you know, I've had some guests where it's super easy. I ask one question and they are just such gifted speakers and are so used to doing interviews and to, to presenting that really I can just step back and they take it from there. Other times um, there will be folks who, um, you know, give much shorter answers or the connection just isn't as strong. I'm talking about energetically between me and the guest. And in those cases, um, you know, sometimes it's a little bit more about me doing some heavy lifting. And um, but that's living in perpetual creative response. And Benny, I you I know um, uh, I was just sharing about the time when I interviewed Martha Beck and um, you were out. <laughs> oh, and anyway, it was, it was one of live. Things. It was live on the air too. Oh, it was live. Yes, yeah. yes. And as a you know, you I think I went into the bathroom or something. I no, think... no, 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 no. You were out of the office. There was oh, a guest it was producer. that one. Oh, okay, okay. Yes, and so here is my biggest mentor. All of these <laughs> things, and I'm like, ah, oh, Benny's not going to be here. And then it was just like a comedy of errors of the things that went wrong. Like <laughs> she didn't know how to connect because some piece of information had not made it from me to her people to her. And yeah. anyway, it was just one of those things and. I just said, of course, Benny wasn't there for that show. Yeah. And it, We've also had the other where, like, I think I stepped out for a quick minute because usually there's sometimes oh, where yeah. it's kind of like just kind of like sitting and waiting. You know, it's like a hurry up and wait type yeah, of thing. Yeah, and then yeah. I I literally was gone for like three minutes. I come back. Oh, and, and the guest dropped. Yeah. yeah. And you're yeah. like, oh, so I'm just hanging out here. Hey, Benny, welcome yeah. back. So we lost our guest. <laughs> I've been talking. And I think the guest was ringing in, but yes. you don't know the equipment on this I, side. Yeah. I can't and I'm like, anything. I'm just going to go to the bathroom, get another yeah. cup of coffee or something. Like, yeah. no big deal. And it was just like this huge, like, you were stalling. <laughs> and it was like, okay, this is live, and I haven't done this before. But, yeah, you know, very uh, comforting, so I just, comforting with the public. Yeah. Anyway, that's, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, giving up control. And mm -hmm. I think this applies to live. I've learned, I will have to say, being live on air and giving up control has really built up my tolerance for giving up control in other less, what's the word, um, high-impact situations. I'm, mm. I'm Really, I'm having a hard time finding my words this morning, Benny, But because, you know, live on air feels like, oh, my gosh, there's, there's dead yeah. air. But, <laughs> it, it, you know, it applies to life. And so it 
being able to do that in the studio has helped translate into mm-hmm. other areas of my life of giving up control where it doesn't feel like um, it is as high risk or something. It's, it's also refreshing in a way that we're not just a machine. Um, mm-hmm. Like people ex- expect radio and or talent, uh, whether it's TV or in broadcasting, they're like, oh, they're perfect. They say things all the time. I've sneezed in the middle of traffic reports. I've like, yeah. you know, coughed hysterically, like off, mm-hmm. you know, just because it happens, we're human, but yeah. that gives the 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 element of oh, they're just like one of us, and so I, it's okay. Yes, I do remember um, when um, Eric Crema was first giving me some pointers um, before starting the show, and and he had listened to one or two of my shows in the beginning, and he said, "Sonny, it actually would be better if you did cough or stumble over your words every yeah. now and then," because he said, "When it sounds so polished, it's not relatable." So I'd say, yeah, that's another element. Just it is on some things, like facts, you yeah, know, like yeah. as far as like uh, statistics or something like that. Because that's, you can't really kind of mess up on that. If so, people are going to call you out. But uh, for like the natural actions that we experience or getting up or, you know, my chair squeaking or yeah, something like yeah. that or me taking a sip of my coffee right now. Yeah. Like, you know, you can hear that. So those are little things that are make things more natural yes. and less polished. Uh, and more uh, inviting for, I think, the listener's ear. Yes, which goes to the point of bringing your whole self. So Bingo. Being human. Um, and then when things don't go as planned, <laughs> do not perseverate endlessly. That's our next lesson. Um, I love the word perseverate. I learned that one from Martha Beck. I think it's in the Joy Diet. She talks about it. But basically it just means going over and over and over and over something in your head. Um, Usually it could be, you know, if you've had a conflict with a loved one or something and you're remembering what you should have said and you just perseverate over what you could have, should have said. And Anyway, I could have, for example, on that Martha Beck show, really perseverated endlessly about uh, how things (laughs) should have gone differently when I am interviewing my most valued mentor. And you just can't do that. Just like Byron Katie says, you know, if what would that would be so silly for her to get off the yeah. air and and just try to question or um, try to argue with what reality was, you know, that did she say the right thing and was it pleasing to me and to the audience, et cetera. Um, and so I, I had a mentor once who I don't know, the statement still doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but it sticks out to me and I always have it replaying in my head. But she's like, no one is looking at your salad dressing <laughs> by that. She meant basically. Or kind of like what Dr. Phil says, like, you would be surprised how little other people actually think of you. (laughs) So basically, (laughs) no one is really paying that much attention. Or if they are, it's going to be a fleeting thing and they will be back onto their own life and their own thoughts uh, very shortly. So no one is paying attention to your salad dressing basically means like no one is looking so closely at exactly what you are doing or what's going on in your world at that moment. Um, and so, yeah, so things don't go as planned. You don't have to perseverate endlessly about them. I immediately these days just go on to the next broadcast um, and think about what is going to be um, in the highest and best interest for the next time that I hit the studio. And <laughs> I'm going to totally do that if we're out eating at dinner sometime. Be like, hey, what kind of salad dressing you got there? <laughs> just to see what happens. Yeah, see, it's like it's kind of a statement that doesn't make the most sense, but it because it's so strange, it right. just sticks in your mind. Because so, everyone yeah. just notices, oh, that's a fabulous salad, but mm. what's in it? Or yeah. which one is that? It's yeah. You have this amazing delicious goodness in front of you but <laughs> way, I mean I we can it. parse this statement or this expression <laughs> many which ways but the the bottom line is that people like for example with these things I usually after a show like the Martha Beck one for example I will say oh my gosh uh this this and this happened and and I do think people are being honest. They'll say, oh, I didn't even notice. And I think half the time, yeah, it's not even it's not even noticeable. And so you don't have to perseverate about those times when things don't go as planned. Excellent so. word. Yes. Okay. And so, and then number 11, uh, it's okay to take a break and to honor your needs. And I will say, this one, I I had obviously written this up for the show several weeks ago. And so... I will just use as the first example, a real-time one from Alessandra last week, um, explaining her, or Dr. Alessandra, explaining her very real need to take a break, not only from her work at this time, but from First Friday and the show. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I think there's something to be said for showing up with consistency. I've got some some teachers in my life who have been or have been teachers along the way. For example, Brooke Castillo. Um, she was an original Martha Beck master coach who's gone on to do she's been on the show before, but she is one of the most successful female entrepreneurs that I'm aware of. And she's, um, you know, I, I know people have various uh, opinions I, um, about her work, but I have very high opinions of her. And, um, and she's quite an inspiration. And she is one of the most consistent people that I have ever had the pleasure of learning from. So there's something to be said for that. I think she has shown up every week on her podcast since it began. Um, I don't know. I, I don't listen to it as frequently as I used to. But um, And she's very, very disciplined when it comes to those types of things. And I think there is also something to be said and, and good examples to be had of folks who take a break or who leave space for being human. Um, I remember when Dr. Christiane Northrup had a Hay House radio show. Um, one of the, I used to listen to that when she was on the those airwaves many moons ago, and she had one morning, and it was a, I believe it was a live show at the time, um, because there was Colin, there was a Colin feature. I even called in one time, I think. But in any event, it's a live show, and it was at I think like eleven a.m. Eastern her time, and. There was a morning where she slept through the show. Now, mind you, she had spent 30-some-odd years. Like the recording of it? Like she was yeah. supposed to be there? Like the show, it would be like me not showing up on Friday ah, morning to the studio. And me panicking, and wondering where you are. Me. Right. Yes, and they're calling and calling. And, you huh. know, if I'm asleep, my phone's on Do Not Disturb. Right. And so they just had to do a rebroadcast mm-hmm. that morning, which is fine. That's just fine. We, yeah. See, the world didn't end. Sure. And that was, she had a much larger following. Um, than I have. And so I just, I noticed it and she told the story. She didn't make up an excuse. She didn't, um, you know. It's life. (laughs) Yeah, she really didn't. There wasn't much apology there. And I valued that because, you know, she spent 30 some odd years really, she she ended up with some health issues along the way because she had pushed herself so hard through medical school um, and then through practice as a, um, an OB-GYN for, 30-some-odd years in, a, in the Brigham and Women's Hospital, I think, in um, the Northeast. And a really, and then, of course, wrote Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, and many other very um, meaty works. And she had pushed hard for so long under a very, um, the kind of the more patriarchal model of work. Um, just push, 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 push. Don't listen to the body just really stretch yourself so thin that I think she, she, my point being, she deserved a break. And I think she really began to shift her mindset and allowed that. And so when she slept through that show that one time, I thought, wow, if she can do that, we're all allowed to take a break when we need it. And it's okay to have a moment where you sleep through the alarm or you miss something because your body really needed it. Um, or on a larger scale, just like Dr. Alessandra calling it when she needed a break um, from the show and from her work. Um, I will even say serendipitously or kind of coincidentally, um, Tosha Silver, who you all know, is one of my favorite teachers um, these days. And um, I have been a member of her weekly calls, um, her Outrageous Openness Forum. She's never missed a week. Now, maybe she has to pre-record if she's going to be traveling, but she has done a, we, there's never been a Tuesday morning where we have not received a, uh, either the live call or a, or a, a the a pre-recorded version of it on another day. Um, and this week is the first week. And I think it's been seven years of her doing the forum, maybe even more, maybe eight. Um, she is not doing a call this week. She is taking a whole week off without planning ahead to pre-record whatever the show was going to be, or her, not her show, but the, um, the, the forum call was going to be. She took a whole week off. And I got a kick out of, um, when she announced it, um, I made a point of writing into her to say, congratulations, I'm so happy you're doing this. Like, I applaud your decision to do this. And, and, and she even said, you know, she said, 
there were so many of you who wrote in to congratulate me on taking this this break. Um, and so um, anyway, I just think this is a lesson for all of us. Take a break when you need to. Um, and as you know, things may be shifting here at Sunny in Seattle with me going to New Haven and having the next three years in Divinity School. So I'm giving myself that permission depending on what my school schedule is going to look like. Um, and then I know we've got just a couple minutes left. Um, we are going to have to do a part three of sorts because there are some more metaphysical lessons learned from here. But anyway, I'll just say the last thing is this show has been an entity. Um, it has a sentience, I think, of its own. Sunny in Seattle is, it's kind of like having a relationship with another being. Um, you get into it, or you get out of it what you put into it. Um, and I have had um, many very dedicated years of this show where it feels like one of the most fulfilling relationships that I've had. And I view, even though I've never seen your faces while I have been behind this microphone, um, I can feel um, I can feel the presence there of all of these wonderful spiritual beings going about their days out in the physical world. Um, and so this has been one big relationship, a relationship with the entity that is the show, a relationship that is with each and every one of you who has shown up to um, listen to this show and to take time to hear experiences, thoughts, and the things that are inspiring and the folks who inspire me um, that I have the honor of interviewing. Um, and so I think that's another one of those lessons that um, treating things, even if they don't, even if it's not another human in front of you, treating it as a relationship and what you put into it will be directly reflected in what comes out of it. And what has come out of this has just been um, one of the biggest gifts of my lifetime um, to be able, um, I guess, to be on the giving and the receiving of uh, what goes through the airwaves at KKNW. Oh, okay, Benny. I guess that brings us to the end of part two of Lessons Learned in Seven Years of Doing the Show, a solo Soul Digger edition. Um, so that's what I've got for you. Um, we'll definitely be doing another kind of um, um, metaphysical lessons learned. But anyway, um, okay, Benny, I'm going to see you, I think, one more time. All right. Studio. Sounds like a plan. I'll be here. <laughs> So you've been listening to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy, signing off.